All right, so we're in this series called Follow, and um, when Jesus invites you to follow, he invites everybody to follow, his purpose is not a few things. I want to go over this. First of all, his purpose is not to make you a better person. Nowhere in the scripture does Jesus say, follow me and I'll make you a better person. Now, we talked about this. If you follow, you're going to be more forgiving. You're going to be more loving. You're going to be more giving. You're going to worry less, but that's not the purpose. Jesus didn't say, follow me so I can make you a better dad, mom, husband, wife, whatever. Um, there's another thing Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, follow me so that you can get to heaven. Jesus talked about heaven. He talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about um, the kingdom of heaven. And he, talked, he even taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, you're praying to God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But getting to heaven was not his purpose in you following him. Let me explain. You remember when he was on the cross, there was a thief on either side of him. Jesus was crucified in the middle and a thief on either side of him that were crucified. One of the thieves said to him, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be in paradise. There was no following involved in him going to heaven. Um, he, in fact, he said, we, he was talking to the other guy, both of them were, were giving Jesus a hard time at first. And then one of them quits giving him a hard time and prays and asks Jesus to save him. And so he says to the other thief who's still giving Jesus a hard time, he says, don't you fear God? He said, we are getting what we deserve. How bad a person do you have to be to deserve crucifixion? One of the guys being crucified. And by the way, you suffocated in crucifixion. It didn't have a whole lot to do with the nails through your wrists and your feet. You could not push your body wake up to, to, to breathe and, and especially to talk. So one of them pushes himself up and he says, don't you fear God? We deserve to be punished. We deserve to be crucified, but this guy does not. Somewhere right before he died, he recognized who Jesus was. I told you last week, when you recognize who Jesus is, you recognize who you are and you're not good enough. And he says, I'm not good enough compared to this man. Jesus, I need help. Jesus said, you got it. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, if you think about this, this seems to imply that you can live any way you want to and if right before you die you say I love Jesus yes I do I love Jesus how about you that he'll save you that's what that's what it seems to to imply but okay so I I tend to think that our lives are like jumping out of an airplane this is my life at 53 granddad Jump out of an airplane and you're just moving faster and faster. But I, I'm, I like people. So, so when, you know, you've seen those skydiving people and they'll have a little group over here and they're, they can slow down, they can speed up. I would love to do that. Um, I probably wouldn't make it back, but it would be fun to go over here and hang out with these people and then fly over here and hang out with these people. You know, it'd be awesome. You got to be way up there. You got to have time. If you think that you can right before you bite the big one, Cry out, Jesus, save me. And he's going to save you. Knock yourself out. Have fun with that. But remember, Jesus knows the condition of your heart. It's not some magical phrase that saves you. It's the condition of your heart that prays. The one thief said, Jesus, remember me. Jesus said, today you'll be in paradise. The other thief earlier had said, if you're the son of God, save yourself and save us. Jesus didn't save himself. He didn't save that guy. He saved the one whose heart condition was correct. So Jesus didn't say, follow me so that you'll be a better person. He didn't say, follow me so you Another thing he did not say was, if you follow me, you'll have a pain-free, problem-free life. If you follow this little formula, if you say these certain words, and if you do this many times and whatever, that, that God will give you everything you've ever wanted. That's not, that's not his. Um, that's magic or wishful thinking. Magic 
say these words correctly. I don't know what's going on with the mic. I may have to go to the other one. Um, magic says, if you say these words correctly, you'll get whatever you want. Well, you need to know that all magic works some of the time, not because it's magic, but because the odds. All right, you wear your lucky socks all the time, you may win a game, right? Not because they're, they're lucky, but because I, when I play golf, if I hit one particular ball well, the other day it was noodle. I don't know why they call it noodle, but I was hitting a noodle one, and you better believe if I hit that noodle one badly, I would go find it. I spent time finding it so I could hit it well the next time. All magic works some of the time just because of the odds. But Jesus and magic don't mix. Just because you trust your lucky rabbit's foot doesn't mean Jesus works the same way. In fact, let me tell you this. I heard this a few years ago. I did not think this was legit. And if, if, if you know what this is, please don't say it. Please don't say it. This is St. Joseph the Carpenter statue or St. Joseph the Worker. Now, I heard this on talk radio a few years ago. Did not believe it was real. I've researched it. Let me read you from this website. This is $4.99. No, actually, this one's $1.99. You can get a color one that's $4.99. Or you can get... Okay, here's what it says. Website, I'm reading you from the website. Experiencing trouble with buying or selling homes? Our four-inch St. Joseph the Worker statue is legendary. That's their word, not mine. Legendary. Known as the patron saint of families and homes, St. Joseph will intercede in the sale and purchase of homes and in the strengthening of families when our prayers are offered through him. Whether buying or selling, doesn't matter buying or selling, whether the recipient is the real estate, I'm sorry, this makes me laugh, whether it's the real estate agent or the owner, St. Joseph is renowned for making the process easier. That's magic. So I looked, I heard, not only are you supposed to buy the statue, you're supposed to bury the statue. Burying instructions. Always bury the statue upside down. The theory behind this request claims that Joseph will work harder to leave the ground when buried upside down so he can find a comfortable home in which to dwell. Home cheese is a plastic stick. How's he getting out of the ground? How's he, how's he getting out of the ground? Some say that burying the statue sideways so that St. Joseph's praying hands are pointing directly at your house helps direct potential buyers to your home. Burying <laughs> statue in the backyard of your home near a flower bed, shrub, or other natural growth to expedite the selling of your home. <laughs> Which one is it? I don't know. You can, you can also choose to bury St. Joseph one foot underground Again, to make Joseph work harder to leave the ground and quickly find a new home. Oh, nice new home. Next, oh, you bury it next to your for sale sign. Once your home is sold, dig up the St. Joseph statue and give it a place of honor in your new home. <laughs> then there's prayers. There is a prayer here. This is a long paragraph. You're supposed to pray this one prayer every day for nine days. And then there's a day two prayer that you add onto that, a day three prayer you add. One. That's, the, um, uh, that's magic. Magic works like this. You need a job? Then what you do is you get dressed in your nice clothes. You get your Bible. You walk in front of the, 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 jo the, the business that you want to give you a job. You turn to the book of job in the Bible and you'll get one. <laughs> Y'all are skeptical. You don't believe that? If you don't believe, the magic doesn't work. There you go.
You see what the problem is? The magic, there's always, there's, <laughs> did I skip ahead of that? You know who benefits from, from the St. Joseph statue? The seller, right. There's always a sale involved in magic. I did skip that, so sorry about that, Travis. But if you want to use the Bible as your magic, stand outside of the, the business you want to get a job from, read the first two chapters of the book of Job, and you'll get one. That's magic. See, if you don't believe the magic, if you don't believe the magic won't work, and the magic, if the magic doesn't work, you're the problem. There we go. I finally got back on track. If the magic doesn't work, you are the problem. It's not the fault of the seller. It's you. You know someone. If we were to post this on our website or Facebook page, someone would try it. And because all magic works some of the time, just the luck of the odds, somebody would get a job. And then they would post it on their Facebook page and they would put this on there. Y'all, this is for real. You got to try this. That book of job, he's amazing. Him and Joe <laughs> should be a statue of job. His, his name's Job. I know that, by the way. <laughs> and then someone else would try it and they would get a job and this, this magic would be multiplied because all magic works some of the time. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus didn't come to be your magician or your genie in a bottle. If you ever hear someone reading the scripture and they read into the scriptures secret handshakes or secret codes or you do this little incantation, that is not Christianity. It's not following Jesus. So he didn't, he didn't tell us to follow so you can be a better person. He didn't tell us to follow so you can get to heaven. He didn't tell us to follow so you'll have a pain-free, problem-free life. So why did he call us to follow? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Um, we're going to look at a conversation between Jesus and his followers, and, and you're going to begin to notice that, that Jesus teaches this certain thing over and over and over again. Now, you need to understand there's three types of followers of Jesus. When he went to a town, he was so popular, he was a healer, he was a great teacher, that people would come just to see what was going on. They were curious. They'd bring their sick people, they'd bring disabled people, Jesus would heal them. When Jesus left that town, they quit following, they went home. There was a group of people that followed him almost everywhere he went, like Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Uh, the New Testament tells us there are unnamed um, women who, who uh, followed Jesus and they actually financed his ministry. They followed him, but they weren't the inner circle. Then you know about the famous guys, the 12. We call them disciples or apostles. These are the guys that Jesus asked to be his, his public students. We don't understand this, but in that society, it was very natural for a rabbi to have 10 to 12 public formal students. That's what Jesus was doing. And in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew tells us about Jesus calling um, and inviting his 12 disciples or apostles to follow him. And Jesus says, all right, here's what you're going to do. This is where you're going to go. Um, this is how much to take with you. If you have this situation happen, you do this. You take this much money. If, you, if this happens, you do this. He's given them all of these instructions. You're going to take my message, my power to the world. Here's what's going to happen. Then he surprised them. I put it in my notes. He surprised them, but I actually think that's not a good enough word. He shocks them with what he says next. Um, and, and let me just give you this, this little bit. Verse 16 will happen to you. Verse 17 probably won't happen to you. Let's look at verse 16. 
Jesus says to his 12, his, his formal students, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Anybody who follows Jesus, that's what he's going to tell you. He is sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, you got to understand, these guys had real jobs. They were not chosen by the best rabbis in the day because the best rabbis would choose the best rule followers. These guys had already missed out on that. When they were children, they weren't really good at Sunday school. They weren't good at their memorization. They had to memorize the Old Testament. And these guys didn't make it. So, so they had been rejected. All of the rabbis already had their students. These guys had real jobs. Jesus, this new rabbi, this very popular rabbi comes and chooses them. High five. We're in the inner circle. They don't even get to celebrate before Jesus drops a bomb on them. And this is what won't happen to you in verse 17. He says, okay, guys, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Last night we saw uh, Michael Jr., who's a Christian comedian, and he says some really funny stuff, some really weird stuff, and he goes, man, this is what goes on in my head. Here's what goes on in my head. When I read this, I went, flogged in the synagogue. What did you just say? Flogged in the synagogue. When I was at Baylor, Baylor made me this way. I'm just blaming it on Baylor. I was a church music major, and when I was at Baylor, we had to go through music theory. Part of the way they taught us music theory was we had to write a cantata. So like if you've ever been to a, a Baptist church when they do a musical, that's a cantata. We had to write one, and because we were kind of weird, we wrote one on the Easter Bunny, and then we had to perform it. And so this is coming, some of the stuff that goes on in my head. Flogged in the synagogue, what did you just say? I'm telling you. That's the stuff I can share. I can't share some things. Um, you need to understand the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. By the way, uh, there was a girl in the first service. She said, thanks for sharing that. That's all I could think about the rest of the service. So you're welcome. Um, the first four books of the New Testament are about Jesus. When you get to the book of Acts, it's about these guys. And everything that Jesus predicts right here in this passage that will happen to these guys happens in the book of Acts. Now, they don't understand it, though, because at the moment Jesus is speaking, he's very popular, which means they're very popular. Jesus says that's going to be changed. That's going to change very fast. And you need to understand about floggings. You may have heard this before, but, but I just wanted to, to research it again, so I was looking up floggings. Floggings are where you are beaten with a rod, a long rod, or a whip, um, and you were given 39 lashes, and Jesus says you're going to be flogged in the synagogue, in church, where they're going to bring you in because you're unrighteous. You're breaking the righteous laws. You're going to be beaten 39 times. Now, you don't get, you don't get an a flogging expunged from your record. Every time you pull off your shirt, there are scars that you were unrighteous. You broke the rules, so you were beating. This was not good news. Then in verse 18, Jesus says, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses. Witnesses of what? Of what Jesus said and done, had said and done, everything. Um, You'll be my witnesses before the kings, you'll be before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Then look at this. But when they arrest you, do not worry. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be arrested. Don't worry about it. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Um, Jesus, when I get arrested, what I say or how I say it is the least of my concerns. At that time, what time? At the time you will be arrested. You will be given what to say. Don't you think at least one of them said, maybe we should follow somebody else? Because those other rabbis, they're not saying that to their followers. Verse 20, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Okay, you're telling me I'm going to be arrested, flogged in the synagogue, put on trial, and then God will show up? And Jesus says, yes. 
Don't you think he should show up before that stuff happens? Jesus says, don't worry, God's going to be with you. I want, I, mm -mm, I want him to come before. I don't want to go through that stuff. But the Bible all the time says Jesus delivers you through, not from. He did, delivers you through the valley of the shadow of death, through pain and suffering. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I've been to lots of conferences in my life and not, not once have I heard somebody preach on, you're going to be flogged in the synagogue. You know, that's not the way you get a whole big group of followers. But Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. So following must not be about some of the things we think it's about. Then Jesus looks further into the future when the Antichrist will be reigning. And he says this in verse 21. Brother will be betray brother to death. Why? Because one brother followed Jesus and the one who followed Jesus, the other brother will betray him to death. And father is child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Why? Because their parents dared to follow Jesus. This is, this is a speech for the ages. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Everybody loves us because of you, Jesus. Not for long. You'll be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Then Jesus goes into this more bad stuff. <laughs> this is a great speech. Then verse 28, I want you to read this out loud with me, and we're going to do it until you participate. Ready? Here it is, verse 28. Do not be afraid. That was so much better in the first service. I thought we would still be going because it took forever. All right, one more time. I want you to say it loudly. Do not be afraid. Oh, y'all win the prize. This is not a suggestion. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, don't get caught. This is not a suggestion. Do not be afraid is not a suggestion from your heavenly father. It's a command. Because when you're afraid, it indicates that you think you're in charge. It indicates that you think you're in control and you're not in control. If you've forgotten, go hang out in the nursery and try to control one of those little babies or go into the next day. You're not in control. And when you experience something in this life, it should be this big red warning flag when you're afraid that I'm not trusting my father. We're gonna come back to that. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Then he says, be very afraid of the one who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. These guys didn't get this till much, much later. And you're not going to get this when you first come to Christ. You're going to have to walk through a lot of situations to get to this point. But here's what Jesus said. He didn't say if you go through trouble. He said when bad things happened, refuse to quit, refuse to let fear win. That's the next one. Put it up there. When bad things happen. And then he gives them this example. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? He's saying sparrows are almost worthless. A penny in, in that day was one sixteenth of an average daily worker's salary. Daily salary. One sixteenth. You get two. <laughs> a sparrow is almost worthless. It's worth one thirty second of a penny. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. God notices when something we think is kind of worthless dies. He says, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, for some of us, it takes him a lot less time to count than for others. And, and when I shave my head once a week, I do shave my head once a week. I try to get this one. I have this one little lone survivor and I missed him. You'll never be close enough to see it, but, but I have to take my contacts out because I can't see up close when I have my contacts on. And so last night I shaved my head and then we, we went out with the band. And so I, I missed this one little lone survivor. <clears throat> it is a hair, so, so don't be hating. Jesus knows it's there, even if you got more. 
The very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. There's that command again. You're worth more than many sparrows. God's saying, if I care for something you think is worthless, like a sparrow, how much more do I care for you? Oops, skipped ahead. Sorry. I just totally jumped ahead. Y'all having fun yet? Yeah. <laughs> Awkward silence. Just, just dwell on that. Yeah. Charles and I, we're together. <clears throat> so don't be afraid you're worth more than many sparrows. Okay, the message of Jesus was not don't be afraid because I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. He says don't be afraid when bad things happen to you. And so here is the payoff for following Jesus. We'll have a faith so big that it overwhelms fear. So what would someone look like? What would you look like? What would I look like if we were absolutely certain that God was with us? When the IRS shows up, how would you react if you knew God was with you? If you went through a divorce, death, cancer, rape, insult, what would someone do like you? What would someone do like me if they were convinced that God was with them? It's not a place of denial or say this phrase to get Jesus to do whatever you want him to do. It's not magic stuff. It's a place of God confidence and that's where God wants, where Jesus wants to take you. That's the message he repeated over and over. Jump over to Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, Jesus speaking to, actually this is the Sermon on the Mount, so he's talking to a whole bunch of people. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. He says, look at the birds. I care for the birds. You're worth more than birds. And then he says, look at the flowers, the flowers of the field. I dress them more elegantly than Solomon, who was the richest, wisest man who'd, who's ever lived. Then he says, if that is how God clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith, you of baby faith? So do not worry. He keeps saying that. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? When you have God confidence, you're not consumed by what's for dinner or what am I going to wear. Doesn't mean you, you ignore those things. It's just saying that's not your top priority. And, and if you want to know what the big deal is about food and clothing, he's going to tell you. For the pagans, what's a pagan? A pagan is somebody who trusts in an idol or has no faith or trusts in magic to get what they want. He said, pagans run around after these things. What shall I eat? What shall I wear? Where am I going to live? He says, don't follow them. Then look, he says, and your heavenly father knows you need them. All right. So if you don't have enough food, do not be afraid because your heavenly father knows you don't have enough food. If you do not have a place to stay, do not be afraid because your heavenly father knows you don't have a place to stay. If you don't have clothes, do not be afraid. Now, let me say this. If the reason you don't have food, place to stay, or clothes is because you're following someone other than Jesus, that's on you. He's not obligated to give these things to people who don't follow. But if you are a follower, your heavenly father is obligated to provide your needs, not your greeds. Even when everyone else is running around scared, you don't have to follow them. You can choose to have confidence that God already knows. Do not be afraid of stuff that merely hurts your body. Be afraid of stuff that can condemn your soul to hell. That's what he's saying. 
That's where following Jesus leads. Now, one of the things I love about Jesus is he loves to give pop quizzes. He didn't call them that, but I call it a pop quiz. And he's about to give them a pop quiz on the Sea of Galilee. And, and I just have to show you this. I, I want you to understand this. So um, the Sea of Galilee is up here in Israel. The Sea of Galilee, that's the, the Dead Sea. And I told you last week that the, this is the lowest body of fresh water in, on the planet, lowest elevation, and it's the second lowest body of water at all. The lowest, of course, is the Dead Sea. All right, I want you to see these mountains. Next one. This is a topographical, this is a 3D type map. You see all these mountains. Here's the Sea of Galilee. Next one. And then I want you to see all this. All right, I've been there and I want you to understand when, when you have this type of topography that if there's a storm in the mountain, the winds rush down onto the sea and cause the sea to be unbelievable. Um, we've asked people when we, when we were there, we asked, is it true that the Sea of Galilee can have some really bad stuff happen? And I, I, I understand this because when I was about 10 or 12 years old, don't remember, I was on Lake Meredith in Borger, Texas and we were in six foot swells and my brother said, Doug, when the boat goes over, not if we're going to lose this boat, you stay with the boat. I'll go get help. He was in his twenties and I'll come back and get you. My sister's just checking out of reality. Ah, we're going to die. We're going to die. And, and I'm going, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding on. I got my life jacket on. My dad drove the trailer. He was going to get the trailer so we could be ready. And, and just long story by the grace of God, we didn't lose our boat. We pulled in Dad took that boat immediately sold it. We never went to the lake again because he almost lost all of his babies on one day. The Sea of Galilee is unbelievably violent when a storm comes over those mountains. So they're in, this, in the sea, uh, in, a, in a boat on this sea. Four of these guys are professional fishermen on this sea. This is where they go. Boats and this sea have been their lives. Jesus is asleep. He is literally a picture of do not be afraid in the middle of a terrible storm. This is in Mark chapter four. Peter uh, tells Mark this story. Mark wrote it down. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on a cushion. That's just funny to me that he had, a, where do you get a cushion in a fishing boat? But at least he had a cushion. Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? The literal translation is we're perishing to death. We're dying a real death. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said to them, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Not like after a storm goes through and there's still waves immediately. That's, that's unbelievable power to say, chill out, and the wind does. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Because those waves were big, but you missed it because you were sleeping. I'm a professional fisherman. They were big. You missed it. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith or baby faith? And then he demonstrates to them that they don't know who he is. I made this body of water. I know what it can do, but you don't know who I am yet. He said, do you see what I'm doing during the storm? If you're a follower, you should do what the leader does. If the leader's asleep in the storm, maybe you should be asleep in the storm. The disciples asked, why the storm? Jesus asked, why your lack of faith? It's like they were looking at two different things, and they were. Now, I want you to notice how they react to Jesus after he demonstrated his power over this storm. Verse 41, they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, if you're keeping score, I'd say their fear of the storm was a seven, eight, maybe nine or 10, but after Jesus said, be still, and the wind and waves obey him, their, their fear of Jesus was 70 times seven, and that's where following Jesus leads you. 
till you fear him more than what can happen to your body. They got a glimpse of what it means to fear the one who controls the destiny of their souls. So I think one of them could have said this. I don't know. He could have said that. That's what fear not means. That I can be in a situation where my body may not make it. And I can have confidence that not only does my heavenly father know where I am, he knows, but he also has control of where my soul ends up. And Jesus says, yes, that's exactly where I want to take you. The reason Jesus didn't say, I'll make you a better person or I'll take you to heaven or I'll give you a pain-free, problem-free life is because then everybody would have followed him and Jesus wasn't looking for leeches. A leech is something that attaches, takes from its host what it needs and contributes nothing to the host. Jesus isn't looking for leeches. He's not looking for people who trust in magic. He's looking for people who will follow. He's looking for something called overwhelming faith because overwhelming faith honors God. This is big. Overwhelming faith honors God and God's all about his own glory. And then once that overwhelming faith honors God, he turns around and honors overwhelming faith. If your child were to say, my daddy said it and it's going to happen because my daddy always keeps it, his word, would that honor you as a dad? As a mom, if, you're, if your daughter said, mama said it, it's going to happen. You'd be honored. So is your heavenly father. Let me tell you one other thing real quickly that overwhelming faith does, and this is big, it frees us to love other people. Overwhelming faith is the only way to love your ex-husband and his new wife. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I think somebody went, Jesus, I don't even pray for my friends. You want me to pray for my enemies? And Jesus says, yes. Jesus, I don't think you understand how this persecution works. Not only did they hurt me once, they hurt me repeatedly and they liked it. You want me to pray for and love them? And Jesus says, yes, why would I do that? Because the one who can destroy your soul, you fear him more than the one that can merely hurt your feelings. The one that can merely do something to your body. When you do that, you'll tap into the same power that allowed Jesus on the cross to say to the peop about the people who put him there, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. That's where overwhelming faith takes you. That's where Jesus wants to take you. 1 John 4, 8 says this, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. The Bible is teaching us that fear and love are incompatible. Jesus says, get rid of the fear of man or anything that can just hurt your body and then you can love like Jesus. Follow me, Jesus says, and I'll take you to that point. So don't you ever believe that following is for cowards. It's not for cowards. People say that Christians are weak. They don't understand Christians. They may not have met one yet. Paul understood this better than anyone. He was not one of the original followers of Jesus. He, he met Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead. He said this in Romans 8, 28 and 29, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. This does not say that everything that happens to you is good. It does not say that God causes everything to happen to you. It says the one who can destroy your soul and body in hell can make anything good or bad make you look more like Jesus. And that's the point of following so that you'll bear a family resemblance to Jesus Christ. I fear the one who can save my soul or condemn it more than you. 
Peter and John in the book of Acts were flogged in the synagogue, literally. The, the leaders brought them in. They said, um, you need to stop speaking in this name. They wouldn't even mention Jesus' name. Stop speaking in this name. They said, well, you decide whether it's right to obey God or you. We're going to obey God. We're going to keep speaking in Jesus' name. So they flogged them in the synagogue. They beat them right there because they were unrighteous. And the Bible says that Peter and, and John left and they counted it joy that Jesus allowed them to suffer like Jesus did because Jesus was flogged too. What kind of faith is that? Beat me, I'm like my savior. Leave me alone, awesome. Kill me, I go to be with my savior. What can you do to a person like that? Absolutely nothing. There is a faith that overcomes all fear and that's where Jesus wants to take us. So Paul says this in verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So we're gonna say it like this. You're gonna help me out. You're gonna tell me what can possibly cause you to question Jesus' love? First one, trouble. Does that cause you to be separated from Jesus' love? Next one, next one, hardship. Hello? Next, joblessness. Next, Prodigal child, ooh, that one hurts, but no. Bad health, no. Unfaithful spouse, no. Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, no. And then this next one, this, this actually happened this last week in Hawaii. They thought they were gonna die. I read about, there was a professional golf tournament there and I read about some of the guys going, we didn't know what to do because we thought this was the end. And parents hiding their children in, in drain tunnels because they thought the nuclear missile was coming. Can that separate you from the love of Christ? No. no. All right, hang on. John 16, 33, last thing. These things, Jesus is talking, I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. If you do not have peace with God today, peace of God, it may be because you don't have peace with God. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you're not adopted into his family or maybe it's just you're not following. In the world, you will have tribulation. That means trouble. Don't be surprised when you have trouble. But take courage because Jesus won. Did you bow your heads? Father, teach us about your peace because we don't have it. And lost people can't tell the difference in a pagan who has no God, a pagan who has magic, and a Christian who say they follow God. Something wrong with that. So inspire us today to follow you regardless. Though none go with me, I still will follow. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.